Hello, everyone. You're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Jason Creekmore and Shannon Deaton. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we are going to take a closer look at the interesting topic of human population. Sitting across from me is one of the 7.8 billion humans on the planet. Shannon Deaton, how are you today? Doing well. Feeling like I'm part of a very large group of people, apparently. <laughs> it's just you and your best friends, right? Yeah, it's like 7.8 billion of your best that's friends. That's right. I, I thought it was only me. <laughs> So like I just mentioned, there are 7.8 billion people approximately on the planet, but there are many other fascinating statistics regarding human population, all of which contribute to that overall 7.8 billion number. So Shannon, I'm going to uh, preface this discussion by saying that I'm going to throw out a lot of numbers. Uh, But if you're talking about human population, statistics are going to be involved. It's just kind of necessary for this one. You have to throw a few out. I I just think that happens. I remember when the population was 6 billion, like that happened within my lifetime like it was yes. six yep. billion and now it's well over seven yeah almost eight yeah now these numbers are you know best estimates according to anthropologists and statisticians but virtually all organizations and governments are in agreement regarding the historic population numbers so according to experts the world reached the one billion mark in 1804 now depending on your beliefs the earth is either billions of years old or thousands of years old but regardless it took humans many years to reach the 1 billion mark. However, by 1927, we had already reached the 2 billion mark, which meant that it took all of human history to reach 1 billion by 1804 and only 123 years to reach 2 billion in 1927. That's insane. That is exponential growth, as they say. Sure is. That's right. The 3 billion mark was met 33 years later in 1960. By 1974, only 14 years later, we eclipsed the 4 billion mark. By 1987, we reached 5 billion. And by 1999, we had made it to 7 billion. So ever since 1804, population has been growing quickly. Uh, But we have slowed down in recent decades. We are not scheduled to reach 8 billion until 2024, which would be a 25-year span between that 7 and 8 billion. So we are slowing up. Scheduled. Like someone's out there (laughs) charting this and saying, all right, by 2024, you all better, you know what's got to (laughs) happen. We've got to be up to 8 billion people. Or else, right? There's there's sort of like an appointment that we must reach. Yeah. So the big takeaway in that, again, is that uh, it took us until 1804. So all of human history, however however long that is, to, uh, to reach 1 billion. But since 1804... We're now up to almost eight billion. So that's unbelievable. I mean, the amount of population growth in a in a very short amount of time in regard to you know all of human history. Yeah. Uh, so I realize those are a lot of statistics, uh, but we can reduce these mind blowing numbers to a much easier thing to consider. So Shannon, there are four point three babies born every second on Earth and two deaths every second on Earth, which means our population is increasing by 2.3 people every second of every day. And overall, that is a 1.1% annual increase. So in honor of that uh, 2.3 people uh, that w- that the uh, world is gaining every second, Shannon, uh, explain to us a little bit what you've created here for us. So for this episode, just to kind of make it a little more interesting and to give us some stats to point to as the episode's carrying on, we've programmed a little clock 
that we have sitting here in the studio with us. And on this clock, we have the number of minutes and seconds that have passed, the number of births that have occurred in that duration, the number of deaths that have occurred in that duration, and then we have the net population increase. So let me give you an example of what I mean. We've been podcasting now for about four and a half minutes. During that time, there have been uh, almost 1,200 births just since we've been talking. There have been over 500 deaths and there has been a net population increase of uh, around 600, 640 people. Yeah, those numbers are literally changing by the second. They are. We have the program running. We're looking at the clock here, and we're going to reference this uh, throughout the podcast. But it, it's crazy when you think about that. So throughout the world, since we've been podcasting, uh, now looking at the timer, almost 1,300 births have occurred, almost 600 deaths, and a net population increase of about 700 people. It never stops. That 1.1% you mentioned is... It's it's not slowing down. I mean, we are growing in population. Where are we going to put everybody? Well, that's a great question, Shannon. I think we're going to explore that a little bit here, just just in a few minutes. I'm ready to dive in. That's right. So, you know, talking about births, <clears throat> there is something called the replacement rate. In order to maintain the world population as is, the replacement rate is 2.1 children. Uh, per woman. So I know immediately you're like, uh, you know, why 2.1? You know, yeah, why that's the point? What's, about? That, what's that extra yeah. tenth there? Well, a woman would need to have two children to essentially replace herself and one male. So she's really replacing oh, two so people. Oh, so she's replacing the parents. Right. Herself yeah. and, yeah, the father. That, that's right. Okay. Uh, but the point one comes into play because there is a slight difference in the ratio at which boys and girls are born. In fact, uh, worldwide, for every 105 boys that are born, there are only 100 girls. So since this is uh, not exactly 50-50, approximately one out of every 10 women would need to give birth to a third child to help make the difference of the lower numbers of girls being born because eventually those girls will reproduce and further the population. You know, in our house, we're trying to uh, beat those statistics. We have three small daughters. (laughs) So (laughs) you have done your part. We're trying to help the world out if we can. You've done all you can. Right. (laughs) That's That's right. right. So, you know, however, worldwide, people are exceeding the replacement rate, thus uh, population increases like we're looking at here right now. So we're almost at seven minutes and we're looking at closing in on 1800 births and a little more than 800 deaths. So since this podcast has been going, we are coming up on adding uh, almost 1000 more people to planet Earth since we've been talking. Wow. The reason that the overall population of the human race is important is because of a concept called carrying capacity. Carrying capacity is basically the amount of something uh, an object can hold. For instance, a gallon of milk or you know, a 20-ounce drink. This same concept can be said for humans and the Earth. That is, the Earth can only sustain so many humans before resources start to run out. So even though we have made extraordinary strides in food production over the decades, farmland is pretty much linear, which means it means it, it's staying the same. But our population is exponential. So while our technology has improved our food production, can we keep producing more and more? So this is the essential question, uh, and it has been a question that has been explored by many people over the years. So Shannon, before you uh, tell us about some of those uh, interesting folks, give us another clock update. So about eight minutes have passed since we started this podcast. During that time, we've had 2,100 births almost 1,000 deaths across the world, and we are closing in on 1,150 people uh, that have increased the population. And if you hit pause, that number doesn't stop. 
<laughs> no, there it just is keeps no going. pause. <laughs> it, it keeps yeah. marching on second after second, minute I mean, after minute. I mean, when you're thinking, you know, I'm looking at it right now, and we're at, you know, 1,180. That's that's just a good size high school. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's how to think about that. So, since this podcast has started, a brand new high school has been built and populated. In eight and a half minutes, almost just shy <laughs> yeah. of nine minutes. That's unbelievable. Crazy. So, there have been a few different people who have discussed population growth and expansion over the years. One of the most prominent people is one that Jason and I have talked about a few times as we were talking through this episode, and that is someone named Thomas Malthus. So, Jason, have you heard anything about Thomas oh, Malthus? Oh, yeah. I have read a great deal about Thomas Malthus. Malthus was an English cleric, scholar, and influential economist in the fields of political economy and demography. In his 1798 book, titled An Essay on the Principle of Population, Malthus observed that an increase in a nation's food production improved the well-being of the populace, but the improvement was temporary because it led to population growth, which in turn restored the original per capita production level. So I find that interesting. He's saying that whenever we increase our food output for a temporary span of time, it's going to help the population. But over the long haul, since it does help the population and they start improving in their health because they're eating better, they're going to increase in population and that's going to reach that carrying capacity that you mentioned before too long. There, there's a magical number. We Some have hypothesized what that number might be, you know, as to how much the earth can actually take in terms of how many people it can support, how much food it can supply, etc. and so on. But yeah, Thomas Malthus bought into this and he uh, produced a lot of information concerning this population growth. In fact, there's something called the Malthusian Trap it sounds like a, a board game, but yeah, no, I've, it's I've, not. <laughs> you mean mousetrap? Sounds I don't like mousetrap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of. I've heard it referred to as that, and I think maybe also the uh, Malthusian curse. Oh yeah, yeah, They're the same. Yeah, one and the same. And essentially, uh, the Malthusian trap is described as follows: Humans have a propensity to utilize abundance for population growth rather than for maintaining a high standard of living. In other words, if you have a lot of food to eat then you are going to grow the population rather than just sort of using that food to sustain your lifestyle and promote a higher standard of living. So in other words, increases in food supply leads to a higher population rather than a higher standard of living. And that makes sense on the surface. That happens, I suppose. Uh, Malthus saw population growth as being inevitable whenever conditions improved, uh, which he believed would impede progress toward a utopian society. He thought the more people you had, the more it was going to contribute to eventually the earth sort of having this this dying off, right. you know, as it was unable to support everyone who was living here. Sort, sort of a bleak outlook. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was criticized a little bit for that bleak outlook over the years. Malthus said the power of population is indefinitely greater than the power in the earth to produce subsistence for man. So to paraphrase, he was saying that population growth was a hindrance to mankind's ability to sustain itself. So more people equals harder on the earth to keep us around. That's kind That's of what he was saying. Kind of understandable. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense it makes on the sense. surface. Yeah. yeah, only so many resources. That's right. I, I've played Risk and Monopoly and some of those board games, so. I, I know right. how to how resources work. You only I, have so many. I know how to hide to uh, how to hide my zero candy bars. You know, we had a <laughs> a, a candy bar episode. We did a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and I've I've been hiding my candy bars in the house. Yeah. And so no, I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, I was going along <laughs> with it. That is an important resource. Oh yeah, you got to hang on to it. That's right. Malthus noted that whenever food supply increases, population will rapidly grow to eliminate the abundance. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, in other words, if we have more food, we will produce more people to eat that food 
food until it is gone. We won't just use that food to live higher. You know, we won't just take in more for ourselves. We'll use that excess of food in order to almost almost create a need for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cre- create more people to absorb that right. increase in food supply. And that's kind of at the heart of this overpopulation issue and, and what a lot of these folks say. Now, there was some controversy. This is, um, you know, kind of a hot button topic, uh, even oh, back yeah. in Malthus's day in the, you know, 17, late 1700s, early 1800s. Malthus argued that two types of checks hold population within resource limits. So there's two things we can do, essentially. There are positive checks, those which raise the death rate. Uh, such as hunger, disease, and war. I don't know why those are called positive. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I think that's kind of a negative, I would say. <laughs> I would say so, too. There's also something called preventative checks, uh, those which lower the birth rate, such as birth control, postponement of marriage, and celibacy. Now, here's something I hadn't made the connection with until I read this in the literature, but in Marvel's film Avengers Infinity War, there's a villain named Thanos. Have you seen oh, this movie? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, two or three times. We've talked about it a few yep. times. And Thanos appears, at least on the surface level, to be motivated by Malthusian views about population growth. (laughs) He sure does. Yeah, because the the whole premise of that movie is he's trying to collect the Infinity Stones, and the reason he wants to do that is so that he can snap his fingers and essentially destroy half of the population in the multiverse. Right. And the reason he cites for doing that, it's it's a genuine idea, right? He, he, He wants to do this out of the goodness of his heart that he feels for life as we know it, <laughs> even though it sounds terrible. That's right. Uh, yeah, I, I do this because I care. Yeah, he, he, he thinks the world has, or not just the world, but the multiverse. <laughs> and again, right. I'm, I'm saying this right beside of some factual things that people <laughs> actually believe. You oh, know, just go with you it. You know, Thanos, you know, uh, he's, he's a real guy, right? Yeah. There there are more listeners that know who Thanos is <laughs> than, 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 than you realize. For yeah. Thomas Malthus, yeah. Uh, he's a, much cooler. Yeah, he, he's a lot cooler. So, so, so Thomas Malthus had these views. There's also been uh, some more recent views on the topic of population growth. Uh, another gentleman by the name of Jared Diamond is an American geographer, historian, and author. Jason, do you know much about Jared Diamond? I know uh, he's written, I think, maybe a couple of books. One, I think, is it like Germs, Guns, yeah. and Steel? Something. I may have the title there wrong, but right. he, he's written on topics such as that quite a bit, like like sort of like academic papers, articles, books. Yeah, he's he's pretty well-read guy. And, and he's a little bit more current. So right. in 1987, Diamond wrote an article for Discover Magazine titled, The Worst Mistake in the History of the Human Race. So I thought that was Almond Joy. Almond Joy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back to the candy bar. Man, we, we gave Almond Joy a That's hard right. time in that episode <laughs> on candy bars, didn't we? Uh, in the article, Diamond wrote, quote, recent discoveries suggest that the adoption of agriculture, supposedly our most decisive step toward a better life, was in many ways a catastrophe from which we have never recovered. With agriculture came the gross social inequality, the disease and despotism that curse our existence. Pretty strong words there for for agriculture. There's some farmers who wow maybe upset by this episode. Yeah, that's uh, that kind of hits me in the gut. I was actually going to start a small <laughs> a small farm this oh, summer. Man. Yeah, and I mean by small farm, I mean very small farm. But yeah, we'll I'll go to, grow some corn. I, some, some you know tomatoes. Some, some tomatoes, squash, but. 
this may be my way out of it. So if, if yeah. you know, if my wife says, hey, how come we're not growing this? I'll say, well, you need to read Jared Diamond's uh, Jared Diamond's manifesto, the worst exactly mistake right. in the history of the human race. And apparently it was it was you growing a garden. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. That's right. So Diamond did try to analyze this and figure out exactly what was going on. And he goes on to say that agriculture is an efficient way to get more food for less work. And that kind of sounds good on the surface. You don't have to go out less and kill, always, yeah, hunt, yeah. destroy something every day, you know, in order to, to maintain your living conditions. Um, but this is what our ancestors must have said. They must have thought, wow, we can just grow a garden just like Jason Creekmore, have our tomatoes and our corn and not have to go out and uh, scavenge, find, kill things every single day. That, that sounded pretty good to them, I would imagine. And that's probably why they moved in that direction. And that's that's what Jared Diamond says. So on the surface, Agriculture seems like a great idea. Seems like the way to go, right? I mean, again, you know, it's not a hunter-gatherer approach. It's more like, hey, let's just go out here and uh, see what has uh, grown over the last two or three days and pick it, you know, pick that off and eat it. Sure. (laughs) Seems like it's a much better life, right? And and some would argue that that freed up humanity a little bit more to think big thoughts and do big things. You know, we had an episode last week about Walmart and Ford. And if they hadn't had time to sit around and dream up these great big ideas, and these great big projects, if they were more concerned about going out and killing a squirrel that morning, you know, <laughs> right. we, we may not have the, the Model T. Sort of less mental time, right? <laughs> That's right. We may not have uh, the door greeters at Walmart. The, you know, the, these are important things that we <laughs> need right. in our lives. Diamond would say, how do we know that agriculture actually improved the lives of society in the long term? Like, how do we really know that? And, and to most, you know, that would seem obvious. Right. You know? it's, yes. It's almost like a silly question. It, almost. it seems that yeah. way. And he acknowledged that. He says, yeah, that sounds like a silly question. But a study of primitive societies that exist today, some of those who are still foragers and scavengers, such as the Kalahari Bushmen, show that those who do not partake in agriculture apparently have plenty of leisure time, sleep a good deal and work less hard than their farming neighbor. So kind of interesting, th- those who haven't ad- adopted agriculture as their primary means of gathering food and eating each day have more time to sleep they have more time to hang around and you know just some free time and they don't work as hard as their farming neighbor so you know that, kind of interesting yeah that is really interesting because you know when you look at a uh, a graph of, of world population sort of that explosion you know that happened it pretty much coincided with the agricultural revolution and it did, it's yeah. it's you know shortly thereafter just a few years after that was really you know after it really caught on and it was widespread population you saw sort you of exp- boom so you saw a boom and then that also correlated with the uh, industrial revolution yeah so both of those two is you know when you look at those graphs and it's sort of flatlined for thousands of years and then all of a sudden like in a span of like 20 to 30 years it just explodes and that's obviously one of the major reasons why yeah and, and a lot of those modern societal norms that we enjoy as a part of these big revolutions that you're talking about jared diamond will say well you know those those were bad things because they increased the population and by doing that they brought us a little bit closer to reaching the earth's carrying capacity and possibly extinction so kind of a different worldview a little bit i think you know so talking about carrying capacity uh where are we right now According to our clock, since we started the podcast, 20 minutes and 38 seconds have passed. There have been 5,340 births 
there have been almost 2,500 deaths, and the net population increase has been almost 2,900 people since we started podcasting. Wow. So now we're up to, if you look at it in terms of like schools, now we're up to two large high schools. That's right. That have been added to planet Earth since we've been talking. Just just since we've been talking. And there's nothing special about this moment in time that we're talking. Right. This happens every second, every minute, every hour of every day for the past, since since the last population, but whenever it hit 1.1% increase. That's that's pretty significant that it's always occurring that way. And we're getting ready to hit about 3,000 here as I continue to <laughs> <Gosh>. ramble. <laughs> you can't slow it down. So uh, one final researcher that we'll discuss here is Paul Ehrlich. Uh, he's an American biologist best known for his warnings about the consequences of population growth and limited resources. You ever heard of Paul Ehrlich? I have. So he is most noted for his book, The Population Bomb, which he wrote in 1968. <laughs> well, that gets your attention. Sounds right, kind of severe. Just right, you know, sort of right out of the gate. It does. Ehrlich became well known for his controversial 1968 book, The Population Bomb in which he famously stated that, quote, in the 1970s, hundreds of millions of people will starve to death in spite of any crash programs embarked upon now. So, Jason, it's 2020. Um, do, you, do you think any of this these predictions hold water? I mean, this was a 1968 book, and he's saying in the 1970s, there's going to be hundreds of millions of people starving to death. Well, it's, it's interesting because uh, I did look up a few statistics, one that really jumped off the uh, screen at me. Uh, The uh, source uh, comes from the United Nations, and they report that uh, over the last few years, this number has been roughly the same. But there are uh, approximately 815 million people on Earth that are defined as chronically malnourished. Oh, really? At all times. So 815 million people. So that would be a that would be a roughly two and a half times the size of the United States. In terms wow. of in terms of actual people, yeah, yeah. So he he wasn't wrong. So yeah. You so know. and that's the thing that's kind of tough to uh, tough to evaluate is that some of these folks people are quick to dismiss them because they just like you know these doomsday scenarios and those types of things. But yet here we are. I mean, you know, the United Nations. I mean, they're reporting uh, you know 815 million people, maybe not necessarily deaths, yeah. obviously, but 815 million people uh, that are malnourished all the times. And and again, that's that's about two and a half times the size of the total population of the United States. So something's happening there. And so I don't know if it's a food shortage like globally or it's just maybe like a distribution or, problem. or it's a distribution problem. Yeah. But regardless, uh, obviously, there are people in different countries that are going hungry. And so, you know, as a global society, we need to figure out a way to, to help to, to help those people, because if if we were on the other side of that situation, sure. everybody needs to eat. You know, yeah. and so we need to be doing something. If we're aware that hundreds of millions of people are going without food, then we're going to have to improve our game somehow. Yeah, and, and Jason, you have a good heart. You're a good person, and uh, you know, I as well would say certainly we need to feed the people across the globe who are starving and going hungry. Some of these philosophers and theorists would say the exact opposite. They that, would say that true. that is you know the natural progression of the world, yeah. and just, that's just, how we change the population. Just growth. to let that happen, you know, to let to that let happen. that play out, and yeah. that's. That's one thing to say that on paper, but it's another thing if you were to see that. 
I can't or imagine experience that having no. that mindset, but it, it's been suggested. Uh, Ehrlich argued that the human population was just too great, and that while the extent of disaster could be mitigated, humanity could not prevent severe famines, the spread of disease, social unrest, and other negative consequences of overpopulation. He thought that we could do some some things to slow it down, but we could never stop it entirely. That hmm. by by 1968, 1970, we were already too far gone to rein it back in. That we were. Just on a track for Armageddon, hmm. essentially. By the end of the 1970s, this prediction proved to be incorrect. However, he continued to argue that societies must take strong action to decrease population growth in order to mitigate future disasters, both ecological and social. And the word incorrect here is used a little bit loosely. Right. He was incorrect with the time frame. I think he thought it was going to happen a lot sooner as far as just like widespread famine, widespread right. disease, you know, as far as like everyone on earth having afflictions and problems, you know, getting food sources and living their lives. He thought that would happen by the, the 1970s, just within a decade of when he wrote right. the book. So that's not to say it won't ever happen, that it hasn't happened yet. It's just his predictions were, you know, a little extreme even right. for his time. A lot of people said, yeah, that that's kind of crazy. He did put forth a few recommendations, a few things that humanity could collectively do in order to reduce the population. He said one thing is different forms of population control, including, uh, this. these are his words, various forms of coercion such as eliminating tax benefits for having additional children. And what that means is he wanted to discourage uh, or he wanted to encourage families to have fewer children by making their tax situation worse if they did have more children. Right. Sort of sort of penalize them. Yeah. Right. For having more children. Right. Right. So so if they weren't just going to obey and have fewer children just out of the, the kindness of their hearts, you know, because he thought that was the appropriate thing, he wanted to penalize them from like a federal government level. You know, if you were going to have more kids, Kids, then you were going to pay heavier taxes, and that was going to put you into a heavier tax bracket. So, wow, I, I can imagine some people would would probably be persuaded by that. You know, oh certainly, especially yeah. those already living yeah, in absolutely. poverty situations. In a 1971 speech, Ehrlich predicted that by the year 2000, the United Kingdom will be simply a small group of impoverished islands inhabited by some 70 million hungry people. Well, that that didn't quite happen. Uh, <laughs> No, that, that's a bold statement, yeah, though. It's uh, it's 2020, and no, that did not happen. So even way past the 2000 mark, he was pretty confident. Though he went on to say that if I were a gambler, I would take even money that England will not exist in the year 2000. Well, he would have lost. He he would have <laughs> lost that bet. Yeah. So you know, again, it's it's not that his predictions in the long term are wrong. We we don't have any way of knowing that. It's right. just he's really aggressive with some right, of these yeah. predictions, and that rubs people the wrong way, especially when they don't happen. That gives them cause to question everything right. about I mean, his methodology. I think sometimes people want to uh, put a finish line out there a little bit closer in the future to make themselves a little more relevant. Create some urgency. Uh, yeah, pro- probably to, yeah, to create a sense of urgency uh, because obviously there is some evidence that there are obviously issues going on here, you know, with terms of, of overpopulation. So, yeah. I mean, is it to the degree he's talking about? Well, no, because England's still there. Obviously, there are some some issues where overpopulation is a major it's concern to, to some right. degree. Yeah, yeah. So he did have a follow up book in 1990. His first book was the Population Bomb. In 1990, he released the Population Explosion, and I think his wife might have wrote some of this book with him as well. In his sequel book, the Population Explosion. 
Ehrlich wrote about how the world's growing population dwarfs the Earth's capacity to sustain current living conditions. He sort of doubled down on what he was already saying from the 1960s. The book calls for action to confront population growth and the ensuing crisis. Now, he also founded an organization. It's now called Population Connection. Previously, it was called Zero Population Growth, the ZPG. Uh, the group is a nonprofit organization in the United States that raises awareness of population challenges and advocates for improved global access to family planning and reproductive health care. So there's there's a lot of interesting takes on the population growth. Jason, what, what are your thoughts as we head into the final segments here of the well, I mean, podcast? It's, I mean, obviously, you know, stats don't lie, or at least these stats, you know, don't lie. I mean, we, we know that there are more people, you know, this year than there were five years ago, 10 years ago, 100 years ago. And, and it looks like that's obviously the trend. So, I mean, we have to at least discuss some of these topics because they're going to be more and more important as, yeah. as time goes on. But I did want to uh, sort of begin to wrap things up with one interesting fact uh, about population. And, and particularly uh, the size and area, you know, of, of like, you know, where people would live. So, uh, you know, like we've been stating, uh, there are approximately 7.8 billion people on Earth, but there there are approximately 7.5 trillion square feet in the state of Texas. All right. So that would be enough room for everyone on the planet to move to Texas and build a house that would be approximately 1,000 square feet. So my house is 2,000 square feet. Yeah. So today, you know, I was thinking about that. So I thought, you know, one person could basically live in the top level of, of my house. Huh. And that's interesting when you, when you look at it that way, because, you know, we talk about these major numbers and overpopulation. And it's not necessarily the, the livable space necessarily on Earth, but it is just the resources that are being generated, you know, from, right. from that. But in terms of like where you would put them, the state of Texas could actually house the entire planet's population fairly comfortably. Wow. So you could take every single person on Earth from every country, from every continent, bring them into Texas and let them live on a thousand square feet of land and that would take care of it. Yeah. And actually, it would really be even better than that because if you had a family, you know, let's say two parents and a, and a child or two, yeah. then I mean, you could sort of, you wouldn't give the, the, the space to the oh, children, right. but, you, everyone but, but you'd at least their double. Individual Right. Home. You know, yeah. multiple people be living together yeah. and therefore that would increase yeah. the size of the, the living space. That's, yeah, that's right. So so for now, uh, yeah, actually, the state of Texas could literally house the entire world's population fairly comfortably. But in terms of like housing them or having square footage to build, uh, you know, a, a, a domicile for them or whatever is <laughs> right. one thing. But growing enough grain and enough livestock is sure. something else. Yeah. Uh, but Which that you would have the rest fact. of the world to, to do that on. Right? That's right. You, you would figure. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I think so. So do you think Texas would be open to that? I would say probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been to Texas? I've been there a couple times. Yeah. I've been to the Alamo. That's okay. really interesting. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we went there probably about five or six years ago. Okay. And we drove there and went through it. And it, it's a pretty cool state. Uh, it's really flat compared yeah. to Kentucky. Yeah. We actually sort of drove around Dallas and went through Waco and then ended up uh, driving down into San Antonio. Oh, sure. Saw the Alamo and the Riverwalk and and all that good stuff. And uh, I think we ate pizza at a place where Tim Duncan, basketball player you know, for the Spurs, okay. you know, ate there. It's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, Texas, uh, while it has the ability to probably house the world population, <laughs> probably not going to happen. We should give them a call and just give them a heads up and say, all right, Texas, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure you've heard of, uh, you know, Malthusian principles. <laughs> 
uh, or at the very least, you you know Thanos, right? <laughs> they go, oh wait, Thanos. Yes. So uh, we were thinking about bringing I don't know, you know, a few rowdy friends over seven point eight billion or so, and we were going to move in and you know just kind of have just just have a little habitat, just have, have one big grill out, one big grill out, and uh, we just wanted to know if that was cool. <laughs> I, I don't I, know. I think the uh, response would be kind of interesting. It, I think that would, be, sure would. that would be pretty cool, though. Yeah. I would love for someone to suggest that to occur and just to watch everyone's reaction. <laughs> it would you be know. fun. So at this point in the podcast, 33 minutes and 51 seconds have passed. There have been 8,750 births since the podcast started. There have been almost 4,100 deaths since the podcast started for a net population increase of just over 4,700 people in the short amount of time that we've been sitting here talking. That's incredible. If you think about that in the grand scheme of your day and think about everything that you do from the time you get up in the morning, get ready, eat breakfast, go to work, come home, hang out with your kids, go to bed, go to sleep. Every second of every day, this population continues to increase and increase and increase. And in only about 35 minutes, uh, we've added 4,700 people to the global population. So, so, so what say you? So let's let's do some math on that. So, so 2.3 uh, people per second, right? Right. So that's so, the net increase. So times 60 yeah. seconds. So that's 138 per minute, right? Times 60. So that's 8,280 in one hour, right? Times 24 hours. That is just a little under 200,000 people a day that's wow. being added. 198,720 in a span of 24 hours. So in five days, so almost right 200,000 million people in five days. In five days. Yep. Man. Right at a million people. That's crazy to think it, about that. It really is. That's a ton of people. Yep. And I can see where, you know, some of these thoughts that at some point it, you know, you can only bend something so much and you can only right. raise so much livestock and grow right. so much grain to feed a population. So while I don't necessarily agree with with all the ideologies around what should be done, I think certainly it's it's probably a, a long term issue that we'll yeah. have to deal with at some you point. You know, I mean, and, and thank the good Lord for improved uh, medical technologies and, yeah. and medicines. Uh, but, you know, now we have uh, more successful births. Uh, yeah, than at every time in, in history. Yeah. Uh, and we also have people living longer, uh, you know, thank, you know, thankfully for those medicines. Sure. Uh, but that also contributes to that population. You know, you're having more more babies born uh, successfully and you're having uh, people to live longer lives. Yeah. Which God bless them. I hope uh, that's I'm one of those, you know, folks you yeah. know, someday. But uh, but you can't help but also understand that that also contributes, you know, to it that does. number. I- increasing the birth rate, decreasing the death rate. So it was four point three people born every second and two two people die every second so you've got that net increase and as we get ready to round out the podcast here we'll give you one final update at 36 minutes we have uh almost 9500 births uh 4400 deaths and just over 5000 people added to the population since this podcast started so if you're one of those 5000 people hopefully in uh you know about 18 to 20 years you tune in and we're still doing slapdash <laughs> you can listen to uh, the podcast, and uh, yeah, that's that's right. So for all those uh, almost ninety six hundred births, uh, happy birthday! <laughs> yeah, maybe all of your middle names could be named Slapdash. That's huh? right. Yeah, and uh, you know, here here in a few years, whenever you're old enough to listen to podcasts, and there's fifty billion people on the Earth, and some <laughs> on the Moon and Mars, uh, we hope that you will follow us on Facebook. 
Instagram and Twitter, if those things still exist, uh, you can find us with the handle at Slapdash Pod, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Live long and prosper. (laughs) 